1: I'm Jason Bellamy, and welcome also to the 2014 edition of National Physical Therapy Month. The American Physical Therapy Association has coordinated a National Awareness Month, or week, for more than 30 years. In that time, the physical therapy profession, like almost all areas of healthcare, has significantly evolved in response to improved science, technology, research, and evidence. Physical therapists treat patients across the lifespan and in a variety of settings, from hospitals to homes, from large high-tech specialized clinics to small generalist private practices. For a profession so diverse and experiencing so much progress, sometimes public perception of physical therapy struggles to keep up with the realities. And that brings us to the subject of today's podcast. This October, APDA has released at moveforwardpt.com a list of seven popular myths or misperceptions about physical therapy. Here to go through that list today and to debunk those myths is Joe Brents, a practicing physical therapist and a clinical researcher who helped author the list of popular myths as a member of the Move4PT.com editorial board. You can find the list at move myths. Here's our interview with Joe
2: Brents. Joe, you helped author this list of myths and facts about physical therapy. These misconceptions, generally speaking, why do you think most of them exist?
3: I would say that the current myths and misconceptions about physical therapy exist because there's been such an evolution of the profession over the past decade. We've seen physical therapists coming from a bachelor's degree level transitioning into a master's degree level, and now we're currently a doctoring profession. So because there has been such a wide range and diversity of professional education, I think that there is a wide range of beliefs on what we're actually allowed to do professionally. Because of this increased autonomy, taken on by the increased education. I think what we can currently do in aspects of direct access, seeing a patient without a referral, I think that this hasn't been conveyed that well. I think that we've evolved so rapidly that we haven't been able to convey all the things we can do now to the consumer.
2: That's great. And so we'll get to those seven items in just a second. But in general, let's talk about where those came from. Was this a scientific study, or is it based on your own experiences? Where did these seven myths evolve from?
3: I would say that the seven myths have evolved from more of a review of the literature, so understanding what we're seeing develop in the literature in terms of the conceptions of the consumer, as well as the things that we're doing and what we once believed and now what we found out to be more true. So I would say that this list is about more off of my interpretation and review of the literature that currently exists, looking at consumers' beliefs as well as professional beliefs, what does the physical therapist believe to be true, because a lot of the things that the practicing clinician believes to be true is conveyed to the consumer. So because of our understanding of certain things, for example, pain, our understanding has evolved, and we may have instructed a patient something 10 years ago, but what we instructed them has now been shown to be different in the literature. So I think that that may have led to some of the beliefs that have existed, and let's try to teach the consumer what we are learning about the profession.
2: So we'll do that right now. Let's go ahead and go through these myths one by one. I'll read them to you, and then we'll talk about each one. So... Myth number one is that a physician's referral is required before a patient can see a physical therapist. So what's the fact of the matter on that?
3: I want the consumers out there listening to know that as of January 1, 2015, all 50 states and the District of Columbia will allow physical therapists to evaluate patients and provide some level of intervention without a physician's prior referral. Assuring a patient's right to directly access physical therapists has actually been a major initiative from the APTA and its chapters for over 25 years. We're just seeing more states develop guidelines for direct access, and we're seeing those past 25 years of work actually come into fruition. And I should note that each state actually has different guidelines on how a consumer can utilize their services without a referral. Some states have free reign. It says that you can go to a physical therapist, you can be evaluated, you can be diagnosed and treated until that patient is better. Some states, such as Pennsylvania, where I practice, allow a physical therapist to evaluate and treat for up to 30 days. And if the patient's continuing to have symptoms or continues to need services, they have to be a physician for a referral at that time. So each state does have different mandates on what the physical therapist is allowed to do. Now, what is interesting is that I went back and looked at a 2009 report performed by the APTA on the subject to see are consumers utilizing direct access services? Are they coming to us without referral? And this report indicated that out of 69% of the respondents, and the respondents were licensed physical therapists, direct access patients constitute less than 10% of their patient load. So while physical therapists understand direct access and understand what they're allowed to do, The consumer really doesn't know that we can do that. So I I don't think that it's been conveyed that well to the consumer. But I think that we're getting better at it. So what the report also found, Jason, is that most of the direct access patients that these clinicians were seeing seem to just be friends and family. So it seems like the clinician was educating friends, that they were educating family, that they could come in direct. But it doesn't seem like the average consumer truly knows what we are allowed to do. There's evidence that suggests that we do a great job at medical screening, as well as determining when a patient's appropriate for care and when they should be seeing somebody else. All physical therapists, at least at the doctoring level, have drift differential diagnosis education, which allows them to differentiate non-physical therapy condition from a physical therapy condition. And the evidence just shows that we're effective when we do get the patients in the door. Once we screen and determine that they're appropriate for care, we do a really good job at treating them. We're generally more cost effective than some of the alternatives, such as going to a surgeon, and we're highly effective.
2: And so, the bottom line takeaway, I think, for the consumer is that while the amount of treatment may change depending on the state requirements, anywhere in the country as of 2015, Someone who wants to know all their options can go to a physical therapist and at least begin to try and get an understanding of how physical therapy can help them. And obviously, if the physical therapist for any reason needs a physician referral or something, would direct the patient to go back and do that. But in this evolving understanding of exploring all their options in healthcare, of all the different ways that people can get better, which I think has been a huge focus over the last two years, people need to realize that going straight to the source, in this case, physical therapy would be one of those options is something that they can do. That's the takeaway, Right.
3: You're exactly right. If you're going to your physician and you think, I need a referral for physical therapy, why did you go to that physician? I think that if you go with the intent of thinking that you need a certain service, why spend the money to see that physician when you can come directly to us? We do a very good job, again, at medical screening and differentially diagnosing your condition. So you can come directly to us and then we can determine, Should you be referred out? So I I think that one of the fears of the consumer may be, what if my back pain is something more severe? What if it's a kidney issue? What if it's cancer? Well, physical therapists are trained, and there's literature to support that we're trained at identifying when it's a more serious medical condition. And at that point, we'd refer out. So I would say that coming to us first is actually cost-effective for the evolving healthcare consumer especially as we see these changes in health care and more financial responsibility put on the patient where they're carrying these high-deductible plans.
2: That's a great point. The referrals can really work both ways. So let's work to myth number two now, and that's just that physical therapy is painful. So why is that a misconception? Where did that come from?
3: I hear all the time patients talking, oh, you're a physical therapist. And use the term, oh, you're a physical torturer. They like to say PT, physical torturer. I have no idea where this originated. Potentially originated prior to our current understanding of pain. We used to think that we had to push through an injury to get it better, and that pain was just a consequence of pushing through that and truly get something to move or truly to get something stronger that you had to work it really, really hard. Unfortunately, we now understand pain to be almost a defense response. It's the way of the nervous system communicating with you. So if you're going in not just for physical therapy, but any medical intervention, and you come out 10 times more sore than when you went in, potentially something wasn't right during that intervention. Potentially some tissue damage occurred. Potentially something wasn't right, and your nervous system was attempting to defend and protect you. Now, I do want to say that some interventions that we provide will cause necessary aches. For example, if you have a knee replacement, we would attempt to restore some of the knee motion pretty soon after the surgery. This isn't always a comfortable process, but we should never push you to the point where you have agonizing pain. We have to always use pain as almost a guide in terms of how much activity is your body tolerating. So our understanding of pain has changed, and because of that, physical therapy shouldn't be viewed as a painful service. It should be viewed as a beneficial service to truly get you moving better and more pain-free. So I think that we should look at physical therapy as a solution to your painful condition.
2: Absolutely, and that's definitely, in many of our Move Forward Radio episodes, eliminating pain has certainly been something that's been a theme that's run through all those. Let's move to myth number three, which is that physical therapy is synonymous with rehabilitation. I think this one might surprise some people. So why aren't the words physical therapy and the word rehab or rehabilitation, why aren't they the
3: same thing? Sure. So we have to look at the term rehabilitation first. Rehabilitation is simply the act of restoring something to its original state. So let's say that your knee doesn't move quite as well. The rehabilitation would be to restore the mobility of that knee. Physical therapy is much more dynamic than that. Physical therapy is a medical profession led by physical therapists who are truly the experts in improving mobility and motion. So that would be the rehabilitation that we do. But let's move a little bit further. We do that... Because we know it's crucial to your quality of life, to your ability to earn a living, to your ability to pursue your favorite leisure activities. So we take in the context, why do you want your knee to get better? And let's get you back to performing that activity again. So say that your knee motion was restricting you from playing basketball. We don't simply discharge you once you get a little bit more knee motion. We want to make sure that you're able to stand on your knees, that you're able to jump, that you're able to perform a rebound, that you can shoot the basketball without that knee hurting again. So we take social context into consideration when we're treating you. So it's really important distinction to look at us as simply your solution to being able to perform the things that you cannot currently perform. We are truly the experts of motion in taking into account your role in society. So we want you to be able to not only bend that knee better, but get back on that basketball court.
2: And so when we pick this apart, on the one hand, it's not a bad thing that consumers would casually say, I'm getting physical therapy on my knee and essentially just mean I'm getting my knee better. That's an association that you understand why somebody makes But the takeaway here and the reason that it's important to understand the distinction, if I'm understanding you correctly, is people need to respect that if what they want is sort of the full physical therapy service, that what they need is to go to a physical therapist and benefit from their expertise, which only part of it is sort of getting better, quote-unquote.
3: You're exactly right. Only part is the rehabilitation of the body part. We rehabilitate human beings. We interact with human beings. We want you to return to what you currently can't do. And we have the skill set at looking at what you aren't able to do and figuring out a way to get you back to doing it. Restoring the motion is only one of the keys to that journey.
2: Okay, so that's the fact there. Physical therapy is treatment by a physical therapist. And now we move to myth number four, which is any healthcare professional or fitness expert can perform physical therapy. That definitely builds off that last myth. Kind of expand on that for me.
3: So I think there must be a distinction made that physical therapy is a profession led by physical therapists. As in any medical profession, we have a set of interventions that we provide, and some of these interventions are shared with other professions. For example, spinal manipulation. Physical therapists can perform spinal manipulation, doctors of osteopathic can perform manipulation, and chiropractors can perform manipulation. So manipulation doesn't identify what physical therapy is. It's simply an intervention that potentially could be shared amongst the professionals. The profession of physical therapy and the professional practice of physical therapy is much more than that. Physical therapists are trained and practice within a scientific model, and we must distinguish that our scientific model follows uh, very basic anatomical and physiological principles, often the same that are followed by a medical physician. There's other professions out there that say they perform physical therapy interventions, but they may not have been trained within that scientific model. So it's a very, very important distinction. We see a lot of other professions promoting physical therapy as being moist heat, ultrasound, some of these t- passive modalities. But we've seen in the recent Choose Wisely campaign, in association with the American Board of Internal Medicine, that we've actually determined as a profession that patients should question those who employ physical agents except when truly necessary to facilitate participation in an active treatment regime. So no longer can moist heat, ultrasound, electrical stimulation truly identify what physical therapy is. We've determined as a profession that that's truly not the best practice or best interventions to be employed to represent the profession.
2: So then the next myth reminds me a lot of the first one related to direct access and referral. It's the myth that physical therapy isn't covered by insurance. Now, obviously, there are so many different injuries, so many different insurance plans, so there are a lot of variables on this one. But give me a sense of the norm that people can expect in terms of insurance and physical therapy.
3: So there's a lot of different insurance plans out there, and we're going to see even more with the evolution of health care and the current state that health care is in. But let's talk about beyond insurance coverage. Physical therapy has ultimately shown to reduce costs in multiple scenarios in helping people avoid unnecessary imaging, surgery, or prescription drugs. So we actually can reduce costs by helping patients avoid certain things. Now this stated, we are seeing the majority of insurance companies offering a certain number of physical therapy visits to their consumers. So the majority of healthcare plans out there offer physical therapy benefits. We're seeing many different insurance companies offering many different plans. Some of these plans have high deductibles, some are carrying co some carry co insurance, but most do include the coverage of physical therapy services. As a consumer, you should always understand financially. What is it going to cost for the service? But we should also look at is the physical therapy, even if there is a cost, say there is a deductible, there is a copay, there is a coinsurance, will this reduce my cost of services down the road? So will it prevent me from needing surgery, which may actually cost me more money in terms of my deductible? Or will this prevent me from needing imaging? Can a physical therapist within a couple weeks of services reduce my pain and i will no longer need that mri which actually would cost me more money so i would look at physical therapy as being a cost reduction in terms of the healthcare dollars that will be spent by both the consumer and the, the insurance company i see majority of insurance companies offering physical therapy within their covered services and they truly do see the value of what we provide
2: that leads us nicely to that next one then when we're talking about cost which is the sixth myth is that surgery is my only option so many patients now are looking for a quick fix. Obviously, the procedures and the post-operative physical therapy has improved, and pre-operative for that matter, has improved so much in recent years that surgery isn't as intimidating as an option as it was for patients, say, a decade ago, and especially two decades ago and longer. On the one hand, people seem very comfortable with the idea of, hey, let me go get surgery, let me get it fixed. That seems to be sort of the mentality. But there's a danger, I think, that this myth is trying to get to in assuming that that's the only way to go. So tell me what the research shows related to surgery.
3: Sure. So increasingly, studies are finding that physical therapy is just as beneficial as surgery in numerous musculoskeletal conditions. This includes rotator cuffs, degenerative disc disease, meniscal tears, medial collateral ligament tears, posterior cruciate ligament tears, knee osteoarthritis. We're seeing that we're just effective as surgery. What's interesting about the concept of quick fix is that The treatment of any of those conditions is never a quick fix. If you get a rotator cuff repair, you're likely going to need several months of rehabilitation following that rotator cuff repair, and you're actually probably going to be immobilized for a small period of time prior to beginning physical therapy. So I actually look at getting the surgical intervention can sometimes extend the length of care that you actually need. I don't know that it's always conveyed to the consumer this way. But I think the consumer really does need to know that we actually may be the quicker intervention as opposed to getting surgery and potentially physical therapy prior and post-surgery. So we're often just as effective and actually can reduce the amount of time necessary to treat your condition. And I think that one thing that we need to add here is leading back to that misconception about pain. So one thing that we understand about pain, is that the amount of pain does not indicate the degree or amount of tissue damage. There was a study out recently that looked at rotator cuff tears. And what they found is that the amount of pain experienced by the individual with the rotator cuff tear didn't indicate the severity of the tear. So somebody with a very severe tear didn't hurt that much, and somebody with a minor tear hurt a lot. The conception conveyed to the consumer is that if you hurt a lot and you have a rotator cuff tear, you should get surgery. Well, the study's showing us that You may hurt a lot, but that tear may not actually be that beneficial. It may be a very small tear that rehabilitation could actually get you better. So I think that with the misconception of pain improving, I think that more people are going to seek our services because they're going to see the value and cost reduction of what we have to offer.
2: And so if you're the consumer in this situation, it seems like part of the responsibility or the thing that you should do is this, is if your best results related to surgery are going to be to, say, have preoperative physical therapy and then have postoperative physical therapy to at least make sure you're asking your physician what that's going to involve and then do the math on if you even want to spend the time on the surgery in the first place, never mind the money. Is that correct?
3: You're exactly right. And we're seeing more insurance companies moving, to wanting the patient to have physical therapy prior to the surgical intervention because they're seeing the value of our services sometimes reducing the patient's expectation or belief that they need the surgical intervention. So getting physical therapy prior to surgery should be exhausted first prior to even considering the surgery. I think that one reason why a lot of consumers still have the perception that they need surgery is that some of these diagnoses that I named that we found the evidence to be just as beneficial to get physical therapy as surgery, some of the names in and of themselves have such a painful feel to them. So if I tell you your rotator cuff is torn, what do you think you have to do? you think you have to fix it? you think you have to go in there and reattach that rotator cuff? And it's not always necessarily true. Even though names may carry a certain negative feel to them or a certain connotation, it doesn't mean that you need to go in and fix it. A lot of times physical therapy can be a very effective option in the treatment of those conditions.
2: So let's then move to myth number seven, and that is that physical therapy is something I can do on my own. Over the course of our Move Forward Radio podcast, we've had physical therapists and patients talk about the importance of sort of doing the work on their own, taking prescribed exercises home with them, and being really partners in their own recovery. So why is that a myth? Why is it a myth that physical therapy is something that patients can do on their own?
3: So while active patient participation is often a key to the success of physical therapy treatment plans, getting physical therapy really means benefiting from the expert care of a physical therapist. So we need to distinguish that. Physical therapists use their education, their clinical expertise to perform detailed evaluations and truly determine diagnosis before creating individualized plans of care. And this is based upon the best available evidence and guidelines. I also find this concept that I can do this on my own to be very interesting, not just with physical therapy, but almost with, with anything in medicine. I, at least personally, know nothing about cars. If something's wrong with my car, I'm going to take it to a mechanic. If my gutters are clogged and I don't know how to unclog my gutters or I think it's patching from the roof, I'm going to call the expert. So why, when it comes to our body, our most valuable thing that we actually have, why do we say we can do things on our own? I would, at least personally, I'd want to go to the expert. But one thing I should note here, one misconception is that physical therapy, if I go there, it's going to take a long time or it's going to take weeks and weeks and weeks to rehabilitate and I just don't have that time. And I think that the consumer needs to know that the doses of physical therapy actually should fit your individual needs. So even if you had physical therapy in the past and you spent four weeks there, six weeks there, 12 weeks there, we actually have a significant amount of evidence now that simply a couple interventions from a physical therapist can be highly beneficial. Allow that physical therapist to be an educator. As we talked about earlier, we talked about physical therapists moving into a doctoring profession. The Latin derivative of the word doctor, doctoris, means to teach. So we should be teaching the consumer on how to better rehabilitate their condition as well as move back into that societal role that they currently aren't performing. So extremely important that you do see a physical therapist, even if it is just for a couple sessions, so that they can better guide you on how to get back to where you were.
2: Right. So the takeaway shouldn't be that this means that everybody needs to spend a lot of time in the clinic. The takeaway should just be that they should at least be given a roadmap from their physical therapist.
3: You're exactly right. and We have evidence that that roadmap is necessary. There was a recent article that looked at the rehabilitation following lumbar spine surgery. And they found that one visit to a physical therapist pre-surgery reduced the total amount of cost post-surgically. So the amount of cost was actually reduced almost in half if you simply attended one visit with a physical therapist prior to getting surgery. The amount of time doesn't matter. The amount of quality time spent with the therapist does. So as little as one or a couple of sessions, just so we can educate you on what to expect after surgery or what to expect from a condition can help you get better.
2: So that's the list of the seven myths that have been rolled out as part of National Physical Therapy Month this year. But I think there's another popular misconception that I want to touch on before we go, and that's the sure. idea that patients should only see a physical therapist when they have a problem. They're in severe pain they're recovering from surgery. Could a healthy, mostly pain-free person benefit from seeing a physical
3: therapist? I would say yes, and I would recommend the majority of physical therapists out there provide screenings, and I think that it's really important to establish some sort of baseline. So let's use the profession of dentistry as an example. Most people go to a dentist every six months. During that time, the dentist collects baseline data, They look at your teeth, they make sure that they're identifying any potential issues that may actually cause you issues down the road. I think physical therapists have a very unique skill set that they could do the same thing with neuromusculoskeletal conditions. Even if you're feeling healthy, we can perform medical screenings that can identify potential development of tissue pathology, the potential for the development of a neurological condition. We're highly trained in not only providing the interventions of physical therapy, but medical screening and differential diagnosis. In addition, we need to understand that movement, just movement as, as a concept, is a key to optimal living and quality of life. We spend so much money in this country on health care. I think that we truly could reduce these costs if you went to a physical therapist, allowed us to screen you, and identified any potential pathology before it actually develops.
2: I always think the best example of that is to think about falls. Falls can be so expensive on not just the healthcare system, but the individual consumer, especially when they happen late in life. They can be so debilitating to somebody's quality of life, and yet by the time you've had that fall, it's too late to have your balance checked. It's too late to have somebody go and look and say, look, this is a problem for you that's developing, and this is what we do to suggest that you stay on your feet longer to remain active. But that's just one example.
3: Jason, that's actually a great example. I currently do some consulting for an assisted living community, and one issue why I was brought into this assisted living community is that there were a significant amount of falls occurring. So they wanted to determine can we actually prevent falls by screening for individuals and providing intervention if the individuals came up as a high fall risk. The numbers don't lie. The the number of amount of falls reduced simply from very basic interventions, very basic programs to allow these patients to restore the things that were deficient that increased their risk for falling.
2: And then on top of that, when do you want to be finding a physical therapist you're going to have a relationship with? When you are in pain or when you're not? I mean, it's great to build a relationship before you're in that moment where you're really hurting.
3: You're exactly right. And I think that looking at the practitioner, the physical therapist is really, really important to understand. You should have a physical therapist like you should have a dentist, like you should have a primary care physician. You shouldn't just go to physical therapy to rehabilitate something like we had discussed earlier. You should have a physical therapist to truly help you move pain-free and healthy throughout your entire pediatric and adult life. Perfect, Joe Brent, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Jason.
1: To see the list of seven myths and facts, Go to MoveForwardPT.com myths. If you enjoyed this episode of Move Forward Radio, please rate us on iTunes and share this podcast on social media. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.